All right, welcome back to the BDSM show. I'm Billy. I'm Devo. Um, the best way to interact with us on this show is through Twitter and Facebook. You can hit us on Twitter at BDSM Show. You can also beat us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash BDSM Show. All right, so now we got the social media out of the way. Uh, we just wanted to start off by congratulating our buddy Justin. Uh, he, his girlfriend gave birth to their first son. Uh, his name is Cameron Michael, and... Uh, I will spare you trying to pronounce the last name. We'll just call it Kimichak or Kmac. Uh, I prefer Kamisiak. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Cameron was born at 8 pounds, 1 ounce, 21 and a half inches. So he's good size, healthy baby. Um, good looking kid. Yeah, we've I've talked to the father, and everybody's doing well. So that's great to hear. Uh, the best you can hope for as a prospective parent is that everybody comes out healthy. Uh, so they're doing well. Congrats, Justin. And uh, so let's go ahead and dive into sports. And if you've lived under a rock for the last couple of days, uh, Tony Gwynn was a Hall of Fame baseball player for the San Diego Padres, passed away uh, Monday, Monday morning, uh, lost a fight to oral cancer. Um, 54 he, years old. Yeah, 54 way too young way too young uh it feels you know it feels like that's kind of a, an old age for us since we're you know just hitting 30 or early mid 30s or whatever but you know it is 54 is so young uh especially these days when a lot of people are living till you know mid 80s you know late 80s hell there's people that fought on d-day you know on the beaches that are in their late 90s now so just 54 it just doesn't seem fair uh the thing about Tony Gwynn is that he was uh, all grown up. I had the pleasure of, of growing up watching him. And uh, he's just one of the game's best pure hitters. Um, Ted Williams is a guy that, that goes down in baseball history as one of the best pure hitters the game has ever seen. To me, he's the best pure hitter that the game has ever seen. Um, and Tony Gwynn, was, he was close to his league. Uh, just to give you an idea, uh, I was browsing Yahoo yesterday afternoon, Monday afternoon, and uh, they had a story with these just 19 ridiculous stats. And it was 19 because that's the number he wore. Um, but we'll go ahead and start, we'll just touch on some of these. I don't have all 19 because, you know, Lord knows we don't have that much time. But uh, in his rookie season, he, uh, he only played 54 games. It was the only year of his career played 20 years it was the only year that he didn't hit 300 uh, he actually hit 289 and after that he hit uh, 300 or better for 19 straight seasons and uh, that was second only to Ty Cobb who had 23 and Ty Cobb of course played in the dead ball era um, so that's a pretty big accomplishment uh, his career batting average was 338 and the startling thing about this is uh, every other hitter that's ever played the game that qualifies for this kind of statistic, you have to have a certain amount of at-bats, obviously. Uh, the only other hitters to do that, to have a career batting average of 338 or higher, all started their career before 1940. So 
you know, just our generation, our parents' generation has never seen a hitter like this. That could he just had a sweet stroke, you know, and he was a tough out. Real uh, tough out. And I think you're gonna get into that too. Yeah. And he he uh here from nineteen ninety five, which is when he turned thirty five, until two thousand one when he retired, he hit three hundred and fifty with almost a thousand hits. So I mean he's even he was doing it as a as an old man, obviously in, in sports terms, you know, 30, 35 to 41 is not necessarily old, but in sports it's old. And to do that in an era where everybody's on roids, and he was seemingly clean. Obviously we don't know for up, sure. Because I don't see any asterisks on his name, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he was one of the few that did it clean and did it in a fantastic manner. Uh for his career batting average, which was 338, to slip below 300, he would have had to go hitless for 1,183 more at bats. And uh, to give you an idea, that would basically be every at bat for two full seasons. That's he would have had to be dead awful for two more full seasons just to drop below a career average of 300. Uh, a little more ridiculous uh, stat uh, of the top 12 batting seasons since the expansion era began in 61 Gwynn had four of them just by himself he had a third of the top 12 batting seasons since 61 one of those was 1994 which was shortened by a strike uh, Jeff Bagwell hit 368 which would have been number 13 since 1961 and he lost the batting title to Tony Gwynn by almost 30 points, which is just a ridiculous number. Uh, the other ridiculous number with that, with uh, 1994, actually was uh, nobody has hit 400 for a season since Ted Williams, and I believe it was 1941. And that year, Tony Gwynn hit 90, hit 394, and. The uh, the players went on strike that year, so they lost, uh, I believe it was 52 games. And at the pace he was going, he was actually hitting 423 in the second half, so he was peaking. So there's a very good chance he would have been the first hitter since the 40s to hit 400, which is just in this day and age. And like I said, when they were, they were roiding it up uh, in the 90s, to be able to do that is just, it's unfathomable. It's it's just amazing. Uh, here we go with the uh, the tough out, like I had mentioned before. Uh, in 2,400 games, career games, he struck out more than once in a game 34 times. Uh, statistically speaking, he was more likely to get four hits in a game than he was to strike out more than once, which... I, that's just a crazy stat. Like, nobody else. Who else? You can't say that about anybody else. Getting four hits in a game is tough to do. Especially Getting four hits in a game gets you on SportsCenter, like, number one or number two. Yeah, because, you know, you only get four or five at-bats most games. So to be able to, to be more statistically likely to get four hits and strike out twice is just, it's amazing. Uh... 434 career strikeouts uh, in 
10,232 career plate appearances. There was only one hitter uh, in the history of the game that did better than that with that many at-bats, and that was uh, Paul Wehner, who played from 26 to 45. Uh, his, here's a comparison. Adam Dunn has struck out 400, <clears throat> excuse me, 486 times since the start of 2012. Mark Reynolds struck out exactly 434 times in 2009 and 2010. Over two seasons, he did what Tony Gwynn managed to do over 20 seasons. Uh, in 95, Tony Gwynn struck out only 15 times in 535 at-bats. Uh, there's been some statisticians that have pointed out that 27 current baseball players have struck out more than 15 times just this month. And we're only two weeks in. That's insanity. Uh, 11 times in his career, he managed to go 20 or more games without striking out once. Which, again, is just an outrageous number. The longest streak he had was 39 games. So he went almost a quarter of a season without striking out once. That's ridiculous. Again, in a steroid era where not just hitters were doing it, pitchers were doing it too. Ridiculous. So uh, those were just, um, you know, some of the crazy stats that uh, Tony Gwynn put up hitting-wise. Just cement his status as one of the best, just pure hitters the game has ever seen. So uh, it was a pleasure to watch him play baseball growing up, being that he was someone who did it the right way, you know, it seems, it almost seems like not great parenting to push your kids towards role models in sports as opposed to being their role models. But Tony Gwynn was one of those guys that, you know, if you wanted your kid to look up to someone in sports, he was that type. He was a class act on and off the field. Uh, he went into coaching baseball uh, after he retired. He coached at San Diego State, I believe, and he didn't do it for the money or, you know, anything like that. He did it just because he loved the game of baseball. So uh, the baseball world lost one of its greatest players on Monday. I uh, also wanted to get into, uh, well, we will miss you, Tony. Uh, thanks for thanks for playing for us and thanks for putting on a show and, and being a uh, an amazing player. It's pretty awesome to, to say that you were alive to see him. So he's going to be one of those guys. Um, also wanted to get into a little bit of uh, the NBA and the NHL. Um, those finals are over. So Yeah, the Heat lost and the Kings won. And I feel like we don't really have to go more in depth than that. Um, if you want to, we can. But uh, uh, No, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, you know, they, the... Uh, the NBA Finals didn't go exactly as I thought they were going to go, um, and the NHL Finals kind of went how everyone expected them to go. So Yeah, I thought it would go six games. It went five. I wasn't really surprised there, but, you know, like you said, the Heat, Heat and Spurs didn't go exactly like we wanted to. But, you know, if there was a franchise that you had to lose to um, – Spurs were pretty classy about it. They were, I mean, yeah. It's not like they were being jerks about it. They were seemed pretty humble – in that yeah. win, so that was kind of nice to refresh. Exactly, to see. exactly. And you know, Tim Duncan is one of the best players the game has ever seen. Um, you know, someone make the argument that he's the best power forward 
that's played the game. Uh, I won't get into that discussion. I, I think he's certainly uh, cemented his legacy as a top five sure. power forward. But, you know, like I said, there, if you had to lose to someone, at least it could be a classy first-class organization. Good like team, yeah, a great team. So, so good so, for you, uh, San Antonio. Sorry about you, your luck, Miami. Yeah, so uh, skipping through those, now that we've spent 30 seconds talking about that, <laughs> I think we've met our, our uh, prerequisite there. Uh, we'll move on to the World Cup. Uh, USA did play Monday, and they were successful in a fantastic manner. Uh, very it really tense. was. Uh, they scored the fastest goal in USA World Cup history at 29 seconds. Uh, I believe Clint Dempsey scored, uh, I believe they said, the sixth fastest in World Cup history. I'd like to see how you score faster than that. Um, and then there was a whole lot of nothing uh, cramping up, diving, pretending people are hurt. Ghana was really good at that. Getting kicked in the face. Yeah, Clint Dempsey uh, is just a man. He's a man's man, man. He got kicked in the face, took a shin pad straight to the nose. He actually, I think it was confirmed today, he has a broken nose, and he's going to continue to play. Uh, Ghana was really good at diving, uh, pretending like they got shot. That's the same thing they did the last time we played them. Uh, so we uh, we couldn't have beat a better team. Uh, it was great to get some payback on them since they knocked us out of the last World Cup. Some redemption. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as I've uh, as I said all night last night, uh, suck it, Ghana. Also, I'd like to point out um, Billy and I were talking earlier about uh, some of the past U.S. teams, um, and when we were kids, uh, we used to play like especially 1994 specifically comes to my mind. And I just wanted to mention, we were talking earlier about Tony Miola and uh, his evil twin brother, Steven Seagal. Yeah. Um, he had a sweet ponytail, man. <laughs> he sure did. And that was a, uh, you know, I went back and looked at some pictures. Tony Miola was a big bastard. So, yeah. um, you know, and I, and I think he played on like four different World Cup teams or, you know, four different year yeah. in- incarnations. I don't know what you want to call it. How you, I don't know how you describe the World Cup. Um, but, but I thought that was pretty fun. We, uh, just reminiscing about you know doing shootouts and who gets to be Tony Miola for the for the uh, shootout. So yeah, exactly. And yeah, like you said, he was huge. Um, I feel like if he wanted to play a more physical sport, he could have he could have physically at least filled out a, a middle linebacker or outside linebacker slot pretty well because he's a big dude. Yeah, a lot bigger than I remember. Um, going forward, the U.S. plays. They don't play again until Sunday. Which I just it drives me nuts that these games are so far apart. Yeah, but uh, I guess they're you know there's a lot of travel to do and there's a lot of teams to play yet. So um, they will play Portugal on Sunday. I think Portugal will be a little pissed off because uh, Germany uh, took pulled apart. the old yeah they they pulled the old halo move where you know they they. Uh, they camped them, shot them, came over and teabagged them, and uh, just rubbed their face in it. Victim uh, to the blitzkrieg. It bodes well for us because if we, let's say, if we draw here and we lose to Germany and we finish with four points, if Portugal, if we draw them, obviously they'll get a point for that. And if they end up beating Ghana, the first tiebreaker is goal differential. And uh, right now we're plus one and they're minus four. So we've got a five spot on them. So, uh, that, you know, it just bodes well for us. 
uh, them getting hammered like they did. Obviously, we'd like to just beat Portugal. Uh, if we beat them, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're locked in for uh, to move on to the next round. Um, I was reading earlier, there's any number of different ways that we can move on with a draw or with a win. Um, so we just, we got to be ready for Portugal. You know, they're going to be pissed off. They're going to be playing motivated because they don't know, they got embarrassed against Germany and they don't want to get embarrassed again losing to the U.S. in soccer. So uh, they got a dreamy Cristiano Ronaldo who didn't really do a whole lot. There was actually a, a hilarious photo spread on Yahoo uh, showing all of his faces of disdain <laughs> as they, you know, lost uh, in embarrassing fashion. So hopefully we can come out and, um, you know, hold our own against Portugal. And, and I would love to moving. see a, a W or a, a draw. I would be okay with that. Fantastic. It, it would be great news. So. And uh, this week's um, non-sports talk, we're going to kind of turn to video games, which have been kind of neglected on our show, and it's something that we wanted to touch on. Um, eventually, uh, you know, I'd like to record Billy and I playing video games. I'm bad at them. Billy is seems to be average at them. At um, least average. <laughs> so I, I think that would be fun. But we're kind of, uh, you know, with the Tony Miola and all the reminiscing, we're trying to think of, uh, you know, we made a list of each system – in time and uh you know what what some of our favorite games were on each system um so if you want billy um for me my well honestly i had a coleco vision even before a uh <laughs> nintendo showing your age man. yeah showing that's your age. right um and on coleco i want to say um donkey kong was probably one of my favorites okay donkey we had donkey kong zach song and bucks buck rogers nice. um so I uh, I prefer Donkey Kong, although Buck Rogers is probably the easiest. Okay. Um, Billy, did you had an NES, right? Yeah, I uh, I started at NES because I'm still a young buck. Uh, <laughs> I don't turn thirty till next month. Uh, my favorite NES game, and it it dawned on me as I was looking over these other lists, and most of my other systems, I had already had a pretty good idea, and I was about to say I don't really remember a favorite, and then it dawned on me. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, that's a good one. Um, there was a couple of them made for the first NES. The second but one. But the, the, I believe it was the second one. The one they made an arcade game yep, out of. that was the second one. It was so much fun. And me and my brother, we used to play that till you know, wee hours of the morning. We would sneak our way out to oh, the yeah. Nintendo and, and, you know, Co-op, try to get an same hour screen. Yeah, Classic. Yeah, man. Yeah. And my guy was, obviously, I was always a Leonardo fan. So uh, you I, know, I always picked I, uh, I always picked Donatello because I felt like he had the reach with the uh, with the yeah. bow. Yep, he was my if if I died with Leonardo and my brother jumped on him because he would do that every now and then. <laughs> uh, my my second go to would be Donatello because with the staff yeah. he was just uh, he was fatal with that. So and the one everybody hated, Raphael, the stupid course. little size. You had to get too yeah. close. Yeah, man, you had to get in you know jab range, and by then. The, the Foot Clan had already kicked you in the face, and you've lost half your life bar. So, for me on the NES, um, I you know I came down to two games. I probably still haven't really decided. Um, I loved the first Zelda, uh, like that was kind of the first adventure game. Yeah. Um, you know where you're exploring and dungeon crawling and all those things. Um, I remember my dad waking me up in the middle of the night asking me how to beat those stupid things that eat your shield and. 
I remember, uh, you know, running through it. And I remember the feeling I had when I completed the Triforce and defeated Ganon. And I just, uh, yeah. you know, it was overwhelming. And then I think, you know, maybe I really liked playing um, Super Tech Mobile. And that was kind oh, of yeah. the first sports game that kept stats like uh, like all the modern games do with, you know, rushing yards and passing yards and sacks and everything like that. So Definitely, um, definitely. We played my sister and I played the crap out of it and she would annoy me sometimes because she always played with the Buffalo Bills, which hardly seemed fair at that time because it was oh, yeah. Jim, Kelly Jim Kelly and Thurman yeah. Thomas and Bruce Smith. So how, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, and I always played as the Saints because we had just lived in New Orleans. So, I mean, I had, you know, I had Ironhead, Hayward and Dalton Hilliard and uh, <laughs> Bobby Bear. Yeah, um, not exactly it, fair. Right, but it did, didn't exactly seem fair. So anyway, she would beat me occasionally, and I would, get, I would rage quit, you know, 1.0 and smash the reset button before my perfect record was ruined. Of course, of course. Um, so those those were the two. If I had to put, like, a, you would put a gun to my head, I probably would pick Zelda. Okay. Um, only because that was just a feeling I got. Now, yeah. um, the thing I remember about NES, uh, and that's the original Nintendo, if you weren't aware, is NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Um uh, I remember my parents were, specifically my mom, was addicted to Dr. Mario. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh, that yeah, one was I remember the, Dr. Mario. That was great. Yeah, the Tetris-style type game. Yep. Where Go head to head. The colored pills fall down, which, looking back now, is kind of a bad message. Probably a bad idea. Uh, that and uh, her and my stepdad, Todd, uh, playing one of the first couple Mario Brothers it might have been Mario Brothers 3 in fact I think it was Mario Brothers 3 and uh, the beautiful thing about Nintendo back in the day was there was no saving so if you were going to beat a game it had to be you know there was very I think there was very limited saving but the Mario Brothers at that point didn't do that Um, so they spent all night playing this game and you know how the old Nintendo was. If the game wasn't working, you popped it out, you blew in the cartridge, you put yep. it back in. And if that wasn't working, you pushed it down and slid another game on top side. of it. Yep. And uh, what happened was they're playing, and they're playing for so long, and they're like down you know, to the last level <laughs> or two, and it's kind of like skipping a little bit. And you know the system's getting hot and whatnot, and so... I don't remember which one of them it was, but one of them went, all right, well, you know, we'll just blow on the cartridge real quick and pushed it down. <laughs> and as they did that, went, oh, crap, we can't do that. We're in the middle of the game. And I remember them running around the house looking for tape or something to, to hold the hold game down, down so that it wouldn't pop back out so they could finish the game. Um, That's funny. And these were grown adults running yeah. around like this, man. It was, uh, I, it's one of the few memories I have of Nintendo back from, from that age. So. My, my old go-to move was to pause the game and uh, threaten my sister's life if she touched the machine. Yeah. I'd pause it, turn the TV off, go to school, come home, turn the TV back on. Yes, Keep it's going. still there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was my old move. Of course. Um, did you? What was your next system? Did you end up going Genesis or Super NES, or were you one of those kids who had both? We had, I think, originally. I'm trying to remember which we had first. I want to say we went Super Nintendo first, and then, uh, or my, actually, it might have been Genesis. I think we went Genesis first, and then when we split rooms, because my brother and I shared a room um, 
for a long while. And when we split rooms, he kept the Genesis in his room, and I got a Super Nintendo for my room. And it wasn't something where, you know, we each had our own and that was it. You know, we played with each other's systems and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the Genesis, I don't really remember much, many games. I remember a Home Alone 2 game, <laughs> which was kind of cheesy. And I remember we had a night where we stayed up all night and we were like delusional, giddy, you know, giggles. And everything in that game made us laugh. I don't know what it was. It really wasn't a funny game. But we just could not stop laughing all night playing that game. Uh, but I didn't really have a favorite for that game. I guess I would go with the Sonic franchise, which is, I guess, kind of cheesy to say since... Oh, the launch you know, title. That, yeah, that was, that was their, you know, their go-to franchise. That was, that was their exclusive. Uh, maybe uh, Joe Montana football. Ooh, sports talk. I remember playing that. Pat with, Summerall. Uh, uh, a guy and his sister used to watch us when we were, like, younger, younger. And he had Joe Montana football on his Sega. So I, I vaguely remember playing that. Um, but the next one I have that I really had a favorite for was uh, Super Nintendo. And my jam on that one was uh, number one, Super Mario World, which was, uh, I think most people would remember that one. It was an instant classic uh Super replayability. Um, you could play it a million times, and it's still just as fun as the first time. And then the other one, I want to say it was for, for Super Nintendo, was called uh, Super Mario RPG, which was a fa Final Fantasy-style game, but with Mario characters. And uh, at one point, you actually have Bowser on your team. That's pretty cool. So it was it was a pretty interesting game. I don't remember if it was for Super Nintendo or the Nintendo sixty four, but that was that was also one of my favorite games growing up. For me, on the Genesis, because I never had a uh, Super Nintendo, um, there were two again two games that kind of you know kind of scratched my head. It was a sports game and a you know a fighting game. Um, I loved NHL Hockey ninety four. Okay, uh, this was the last season you could fight people and make them bleed. Yes, um, I. Only played with the Penguins. With at the time, I wasn't familiar with the Penguins, so I played with Jeremy Jagger and Mario Lemieux. Of course, um, and just you know would run up the scores. So that one, and then uh, Street Fighter Two. Um, I, I really enjoyed the Street Fighter uh, in those. In in those, um, did you have a Nintendo sixty four? I did. That was uh, I was kind of a Nintendo stand growing up. Um, a Nintendo fanboy, if you will. Uh, I did move on to Nintendo 64, and uh, I think my favorite game on that, and I have I have two of them, uh, and they're different genres. So I can again, if you haven't caught the uh, show before, I do whatever I want because um, I'm a man. I'm 40. Because you're the B. Yeah. In BDSM. Exactly. That's a B for badass. Also Billy. Um, but not bondage. Definitely not bondage. Don't be weird. Uh, <laughs> on on the 64, I think most people would agree this being, you know, if not their favorite, definitely top two. And that was GoldenEye. For sure. And uh, that really revolutionized uh, first-person shooter gaming. And multiplayer. Yeah, exactly. Multiplayer. I think if we don't have GoldenEye and their multiplayer... It's probably a while before we see Call of Duty. Like our kids now or are Halo, getting yeah. into Call of Duty, 
and going, holy crap, this is awesome, uh, instead of us getting that in our college-slash-high school days. Yep. Uh, the other one I had was Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest. <laughs> that was a and, good one, uh, too. Most sports fans, I think, would agree. That, that was definitely um, that was my favorite baseball game growing up, creating players and trading for players. And, you know, it was one of the first really in-depth baseball games, and it was just it was a ton of fun, especially for me, Ken Griffey Jr. being my favorite player growing up. Just, you know, I loved it that much more. I went for Nintendo 64. I never had one, but me and my friends um, would play for hours and hours until the sun came up, uh, WCW versus NWO. Okay. Um, and again, it boiled down to N64 being so multiplayer friendly with the four ports built into it. You don't have to buy anything special yeah. to get four players in there. You didn't have to have you know the power cube or the reverse double zobby dobs or whatever. You oh, just yeah. cram four controllers in the front of this thing and away you I go. I do remember that. I forgot all about that. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was that was my jam. I always played with Kevin Nash, uh, the uh, big sexy, the giant killer. You know, and you it had all this, it had all the entrance music, and it had uh, you know for the first time, so uh, I was pretty awesome. I enjoyed that. Now, um, did you have a PS One, Billy? Uh, yeah, we actually. I think this is this is from the era when um, Blockbuster first started renting out systems, and we rented a PlayStation just to see if we would like it. You know, because it again with Nintendo sixty four, that was like the next gen then. Yep, yeah. and you had some failed machines at that point, like Dreamcast and Sega CD, and exactly. You know, you weren't exactly. quite sure whether you wanted to spend, you know, the money on a new machine. Yeah, and at that point, uh, uh, not Dreamcast, but the the Sega CD was like the big flop uh, of that era. So we weren't really sure how the PlayStation would go, but we rented one with a couple games. Uh, one of the like TPC Sawgrass games or something like that. And uh, one of the other games we rented was um, MLB 99. And it, it had, I believe this was the beginning of what is now MLB The Show. And it had Cal Ripken, who again, one of my favorite players growing up watching. Um, and it was just, it was an awesome game. Um, so we ended up loving the PlayStation. We bought one um it stayed in my parents' room, so during the summers when they were off at work, I was in the parents' room playing PlayStation all day, and it was always MLB 99, because that was the first time, like, you could, you created a player, you gave him attribute points and stuff like that, you had to earn attribute points playing games, and you started off as a guy trying to make the roster in spring training. That's so awesome. You know, and then making the team, and then earning your way into different things, and getting big contracts, stuff like that. This was like this was groundbreaking stuff. This was the first time it happened. Um, so I used to play the game to no end. That was actually when the uh, the Rays franchise was uh, in its infancy, and the Rays were on there with their uh, their ugly looking multicolored uh, Stingray, <laughs> the Devil Rays jerseys, uh, and Quentin McCracken was their leadoff man. So that'll give you an idea. Just really. Uh, how old this game was, the old how much of a throwback. Wade Boggs and uh, Freddie McGriff years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was my favorite game on the PlayStation. What was yours? It. Uh, I had to go Metal Gear Solid. Um, this, for me, was the first, like, 
movie-style story like game where I didn't want to skip the cutscenes. I wanted to see what was happening in between every single scene and some of the some of the the bosses were so intuitive it just blew my mind like I specifically spoiler alert if you haven't played this game uh <laughs> I remember there's one guy who could read your mind right so every time you threw a grenade at him or shot at him he dodged it right cuz he was just you know reading your mind and to yeah. beat this guy you had to unplug your controller from controller number 1 and plug it into port number 2 and then all of a sudden he couldn't read your mind anymore Nice. I mean, like, that kind of stuff just, like, that doesn't exist even today. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that just was, like, mind-boggling. Because, you know, obviously I went bonkers because, you know, every bit of ammo I had in the game and every trick I knew couldn't stop this guy until... I don't remember if I was talking to somebody on the bus or, you know, um, maybe dialed up on uh, AOL Prodigy and, you know, went to the <laughs> Game Shark website to figure out how to beat this guy. But, like, yep. it, that's that's amazing to me, personally. That was intuitive. I loved it. The music was awesome fantastic um now did you have an xbox or a ps2 uh we moved on uh from n64 slash ps1 to xbox for that generation of the next gen um of course halo was very popular halo 2 was popular by halo 3 everybody was kind of over it um but as many as as many of the other consoles i just love the sports games and that's one of the things if you ever look at my list of games uh i've got about 80 percent sports games because that's just what i do um but for all the good sports games that were on xbox i would have to say that uh my favorite game and it's actually it's a two-part uh franchise there was only two games for it before the next gen came out and that was uh star wars knights of the old republic one and two um I don't remember if they were set before the Star Wars movies or well after. I think they were before. I think they were before. But uh, they were a lot of fun. And you could put, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours of gameplay into them. And the thing with them was it was kind of one of the first games, along with Fable, where your decisions and conversation and combat and everything affected the way you turned out at the end of the game so like you can make you know say you spare somebody's life and you kind of hint towards you know the jedi side or you strangle somebody out with the force (laughs) even though he's a bad guy it kind of leans you towards the the Sith Sith, side of things so i just i thought those two games were just beyond fun beyond amazing and uh there had been rumors that when the 360 came about they were going to make a game um further along in the series for the 360 and it never really happened and i remember being disappointed but uh what did uh what did you have i i because we had playstation one we just went to playstation two um i remember buying i remember getting the playstation two and i thought was so freaked out that it could play dvds like i was like this is amazing i have a dvd player in my room now i think i even had my own apartment at that time to kind of show you how old i am (laughs) um (laughs) the um the PlayStation 2 I uh there were two games I really liked for it um Enter the Matrix which I loved because it ran kind of parallel to the Matrix yeah. um and so when you watch the movie you could kind of see glimpses of your game and when you watched when you played the game you could see glimpses of the movie and it kind of like ran parallel and just kind of filled in more of the blanks and I was a big Matrix fan so I loved that game 
Um, and then also a sports game. Um, my favorite Madden of all times, Madden 05. Yeah. Um, that one, that I think that was the last good year. Um, and it was, I think that was the pinnacle of the series. Yeah, I agree. That was, uh, because then the next generation was 06. Yeah. Uh, came out on 360 and it just, from that point forward, it was like they stripped it down for the 06 version and they slowly put pieces back in and every year market is like, oh, this is new and it's not new. Yeah, no, it's old. the Ray, old Ray Lewis on the cover took care of all of that stuff. Yeah, the hit stick and yep. running people over with the running back. Yep. And they never did bring back the QB cone, okay. which is probably a good thing. And I don't understand why they took Sprint away because for me, as a guy who's controlling a running back who I like to predominantly run in that game, I'd yeah. love to be able to, to jog and sprint at my leisure I didn't always yeah. just hammer the sprint button, as most noobs did. I like to I let did. my blocks develop and then hit the sprint button. I uh, I would sprint full bore, try <laughs> to get to the outside, take the Chris Johnson route and try to get outside and outrun everybody. I would always yeah. ran in between the tackles. Always, always, always. I don't know why. I would always just run inside the tackle. Yeah, well, you know, that's the safe bet. I lost <laughs> a lot. For as many big plays as I had, I lost a lot of yardage, you know, so. Yeah, I always, I always chewed up the clock, and uh, my buddies always hated playing me because it's like, it was just chew up the clock every time. Yeah, ground and pound. I yeah. like it. Um, and from PS2, I went to I got a PS3 first, um, yeah. and then I got an Xbox 360. So I have a, I I I have. I'm going to go ahead and fire off my favorite for PS3. Okay. Was the Uncharted series. Okay. Loved them. Loved them. Kind of along the same lines of Metal Gear, you know, being you know kind of cinematic, you know, one player games, but they were. Uh, they locked me in and, you know, hooked me. And as soon as I started playing one, I couldn't stop until, even though the gameplay was short, like you could probably beat those in less than 20 hours. Yeah. Um, I still couldn't stop. I, I, it's all I thought about at work all day until I got home. I would get up, you know, 15 minutes early to play 15 minutes and then get in the shower and then look at the clock and say, nah, I couldn't probably play for another five minutes. And then you eventually got a girlfriend. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't have a girlfriend when when I was playing those games. Of course, um, the, my PlayStation Three game uh, would be, and again, this is a kind of a series, and this carries over from PlayStation One. And it never really occurred to me until I, I had been playing it for a little while, and I'm like, you know, I remember, I do remember now on the first PlayStation playing MLB '99. Uh, to me, the best. The best baseball game, the best baseball franchise, because I used to play 2K on the Xbox, and around 2K8, they took a dive. They tried to revamp the controls, and it was just awful, and that was a yearly buy for me on the Xbox, and it quickly became a uh, piss on the cover, (laughs) you know, yearly. Buy PlayStation so you can play. Yeah, so when we got an HDTV, we got a a PS3 so that we could play Blu-ray movies on our HDTV. And um, I got back. I was fortunate enough to get back into the MLB The Show days um, right around the same time that I was getting out of 2K. And they're just, you know, for the same reasons as MLB 99, just magnified by a 1,000, creating your player... Uh, you start off at a base level, you work your way through the minors, you get the call up to the majors, it's exciting, you go, you know, you help your team win the World Series, and then they trade you because, you know, they're acting like the Marlins, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot of good fun, there's there's a challenge to it, um, 
it's just it's a fun series it's a well-done franchise uh, moving on to the other side of the next gen and uh, and by next gen I mean we're not on the next gen yet we you and I are still on the current gen because because we have know, babies yeah ain't nobody got time for that and I have five hundred dollars for a Xbox new Xbox one Blu-ray and, player and all that exactly exactly so uh, hopping over to 360 on the other half of this current gen is uh, Mass Effect um, it's uh, actually it's made by the same people that that made uh, Knights of the Old Republic but it's you know different different franchise different universe different galaxy or whatever um, Earth is a part of it although a very brief part um, and I just I love it the first game was awesome there were some downsides to it but when they made number two they took all the downsides out and they magnified all the great things about it and then of course you know number three they just enhanced them and they didn't have to enhance them much they enhanced them a little bit and you know the third one was great just as much for you know finishing the storyline because it it really through all three was one continuous storyline and uh, there was some finality to uh, Mass Effect 3 and I know a, a lot of people were pissed off at the ending um, for various different reasons and I think they came out with a patch to extend it a little bit if you <laughs> wanted to but I was when I beat it I was perfectly content with where it was at and you know I just remember beating it and thinking well that's the end of it now what <laughs> uh, so what did you have for I, the 360 for 360 I put down Gears of War um, okay I really liked the story behind it. I mean, it was fun because it was a third-person cover shooter, and it was super gory. And you know, you're the you're fighting off aliens invading your world. So I loved that. Um, but yeah, I really liked the whole you know story with the different characters, the guys who come in and out of your team. And so I mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed the Gears of War series. Um, and one I wanted to kind of add in there was for PC. Yes. Um, I was addicted to the. St- Starcraft series, Starcraft one and two. I remember being in the dorm at USF playing Starcraft with uh, all the other nerds in the dorm and just like nerd alert. Yeah, it's totally, totally doing it. Like, <laughs> Mew, you killed, you killed my Starcraft carrier. How could you? Yeah. So um, I loved Starcraft and Starcraft two. I guess there's an expansion out now that my computer just won't run. So one of these days I'll have to upgrade my machine and start that. Yeah, better um, get on that. But uh, we went a little bit long uh, today. But, we did. Um, you know, I think we got into, uh, you know, it was a good discussion on video games. We had Tony Gwynn. So um, yeah. thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. Um, we're going to do things a little different now. I'm going to let Billy uh, wrap it up, just kind of a an homage to uh, Tony Gwynn and the hitter that he was. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I said, when we were talking about him earlier uh, at great length, you know, he was uh, he was a player I grew up watching, and uh, again, one of the best hitters the game has seen, and he he's gone too soon. Obviously, uh, fifty four, he was still young, you know, was still active in baseball and everything. Uh, so we're gonna leave you with a quote from Tony Gwynn. I know he's not a rapper, but you know, just hang in there. Uh, and this quote is something you can pass on to your kids uh, for those of you that have them now or are planning on having them in the future. When they start to get into sports, uh, just uh, Tony Gwynn said this, uh, remember two things, play hard and have fun. And that's really what it's all about. So uh, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been fun real. 
since I got that backwards. No, it's fine. <laughs> you did fine. But, uh, you know, that's it, guys. We'll see you next week. All right, we'll catch up. Thanks for listening.